We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 518 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. A new month has begun. As best as I can tell, we do not have breaking commander's news in the early morning hours of this Wednesday as I am recording this. As you may recall, we in the early morning hours on Tuesday did have breaking commander's news. The news that they had franchise tagged interior defensive lineman Duran Payne. I on Tuesday show episode 517 said that it was quite odd that the commander's franchise tagged Duran in the overnight hours Monday into Tuesday. Well, Uh, perhaps the team was trying to change what would be the story of the day. Uh, Remember, Monday evening, we had a significant report from the Washington Post on Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder in the sale of the Commanders. And then early Tuesday morning, we got a bombshell report from ESPN on Dan Snyder. Tuesday morning ended up being some morning for Commander's News. The team franchise tagged Duran Payne. We got the bombshell ESPN report, and then the Commanders announced a bunch of coaching staff changes. Never say that following our Commanders is dull. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Next segment, in-depth reaction to and analysis of the bombshell report from ESPN on Dan Snyder as we now know more, a lot more, about Washington's financial scandal, what had become the forgotten scandal for Washington. Know your scandals with our football team. Uh, It is being investigated by the feds And we now know a lot more about the ownership turmoil that resulted in Dan Snyder buying out his uh, three now former disgruntled minority partners in 2021, included in what we now know, at least according to this ESPN report, a $55 million loan that Dan took out and that the minority owners did not know about. Uh, Wait until you hear some of the details in this report, which I believe makes for even further reason to believe that the Danny is going to be selling majority ownership 
of the Commanders in the coming weeks or months. I will explain why. I'm also going to talk actual Commanders football, if that's okay with everybody. Head coach Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon did a press conference at the NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. He addressed a variety of topics, including clarifying Sam Howell's status as QB1. Uh, Ron put things in a simple but clear way. You will hear the best of what Ron had to say and my thoughts on what Ron had to say. Also on the show, good wins on Tuesday night for the Wizards, Virginia basketball, and Virginia Tech basketball. The Wizards won at the Atlanta Hawks, 119-116. A big game for Bradley Beal. Uh, Number 13, Virginia had its first truly good game in weeks. A 64-57 win over Clemson at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. And Virginia Tech won at lowly Louisville, 71-54. The Capitals have a game on Wednesday night uh, at the Western Conference Worst Anaheim Ducks, Wednesday night at 10. In the Caps' final game before the NHL trade deadline this Friday, March 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern. But the Caps on Tuesday afternoon, two more trades. The Caps are a-selling of that, there is no doubt. Uh, the Caps on Tuesday afternoon dealt defenseman Eric Gustafson and the Boston Bruins 2023 first round pick to the Toronto Maple Leafs for defenseman Rasmus Sandin. Uh, Rasmus Sandin was a first round pick in the 2018 NHL draft. So the Caps getting younger in the defense core and the Caps dealt winger Marcus Johansson to the Minnesota Wild for a 2024 third round pick. And the Caps late night on Tuesday night announced the re-signing of defenseman Nick Jensen to a three-year contract extension. I have no problem with what the Caps are doing here, resetting, retooling, not necessarily rebuilding, uh, but getting rid of guys on expiring contracts in an attempt to get younger because the Caps need to get younger. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Eric Stork of Weedman on the Commanders having franchise tag Deron Payne, writes Eric, I know that you are not a fan of the franchise tag given what transpired with Kirk Cousins and Brandon Sheriff, but my feeling is that Payne should be franchise tagged for two years. He strikes me as a player motivated by money and that having that held in front of him will produce the best results. Uh, Thank you for the email, Eric. Uh, so yeah, Duran Payne wants his money. Of that, there is no doubt. Uh, Duran, the day after the end of the Commander's 2022 season in what was locker room cleanout day at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia, made no secret of wanting his money. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with wanting your money. Uh, the problem with franchise tagging a player in back-to-back years is that you end up paying the player an exorbitant amount for two seasons. And then he can leave you via unrestricted free agency, and the best that you can get for him in that scenario is a compensatory draft pick. Uh, Deron Payne, under the terms of the franchise tag that the commanders have placed on him, is expected to make about $18.937 million for the 2023 season if, in fact, he plays the 2023 season under the terms of the franchise tag. Franchise tagging Deron for a second consecutive season would mean paying him 120% of his 2023 franchise tag. Uh, Given the $18.937 million, 120% of his 2023 franchise tag would be $22.724 million. So 
The commanders would pay Deron Payne $41.661 million over two seasons. Now, signing him to a multi-year contract this offseason may well require paying him $20 million per season. So actually, $41.661 million over two seasons might not be so bad if he plays as he did this past season and continues to be really durable. But again, I come back to then what? Washington can't keep losing big money assets for pennies on the dollar, as happened with quarterback Kirk Cousins and left tackle Trent Williams and right guard Brandon Sheriff. And yes, each situation was different, but the common denominator was that Washington, in each situation, ultimately lost a big money player, a player who the market told us was worth a lot of money for pennies on the dollar in terms of of draft pick compensation. This is why I am a proponent of the commanders tagging and trading Deron Payne this offseason if they can't strike a multi-year contract with him. It's not that I can't wait to get Deron Payne off the team. It's that if you're not going to sign him to a multi-year contract, then you are in danger of ultimately losing him via unrestricted free agency. And that is not a predicament that I want my team to go through again with a guy who is worth a lot more than just some compensatory draft pick. Email from Daniel in Minnesota. This isn't Dan Snyder in Minnesota, is it? Uh, Is Dan hiding in Minnesota? No, this is a different Daniel. Uh, Email from Daniel in Minnesota on, yes, Dan Snyder. Uh, Writes Daniel about Daniel. I have to be honest here. I've been a fan for more than 30 years. But prior to Ron Rivera being hired, I found myself caring less and less about what the team was doing in off-seasons, and it's not bothering me to not know the outcomes of games. Then the team hired Ron, and I started following the team closely again because I thought that Ron would be able to, at the very least, get the team going in a respectable manner. But it's obvious that this team will never be out from the shadow of Snyder. The team will never even have a shot at being competitive while his name is on the letterhead. If Dan doesn't sell, I'm afraid that I'm done for real. We have talent, but we are wasting valuable years while that talent is affordable because of this owner limbo. It's just one more way that Dan is hurting the franchise. So here's to hoping that he sells. Uh, Thank you for the email, Daniel. Yes, here, here. Uh, You know, the amount of Washington fans who have been driven away by all of the Dan Snyder stuff is incalculable. The amount of Washington fans who have had their fandoms drastically lessened by all of the Dan Snyder stuff is incalculable. The amount of potential Washington fans who never became actual Washington fans because of all of the Dan Snyder stuff is incalculable. But what we do know is that there is a significant amount of people in each of those categories. The declines in local television ratings for Washington games and ticket sales to games at FedEx Field are confirmation that there is a significant amount of people in each of those aforementioned categories. The hope, if you are an active fan of the team, as I am and as I know many of you are, is that new ownership of the team is coming and that with that new ownership will come sustained on-the-field success, and that with that sustained on-the-field success will come a reinvigorating and a repopulating of the fan base. But of course, not a single one of those things is a guarantee, starting with the change in ownership, although I do still believe that that change is coming. I also believe 
that if you have a case, you should contact the law firm of Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace. It is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, uh, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, I on Monday's show, episode 516, said that the commanders this past Friday afternoon announced having signed linebacker David Mayo and running back Jonathan Williams to one-year contract extensions, but also that it was safe to say that that announcement was not the biggest commander's item from the last few days, given all that had been out there on the sale of the commanders. Well, the commanders on Tuesday afternoon announced having signed linebacker Milo Eichler and corner Rashad Wildgoose to one-year contract extensions for the 2023 season. And with all due respect to our guys, our homies, Milo and Rashad, uh, I do think that it's safe to say that that announcement was not the biggest commander's item from Tuesday. It was in July 2020 that everything changed for the NFL team that at the time was known as the Redskins, uh, as it was in July 2020 that, never forget, we had not one, not two, but three seismic off-the-field developments with the Skins. Number one, the name change. Number two, the workplace misconduct scandal. And number three, the ownership turmoil. All three things emerged at the same time. And it turns out that that was not a coincidence. And nothing, and I mean nothing, has been the same for the team since July 2020. Well, along the way, over these last two and a half years of controversy and bombshell reports and investigations, came the financial scandal. Uh, We, on March 31st, 2022, had multiple reports that Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform, which had been investigating Washington's workplace misconduct scandal, now was examining potential financial impropriety by the team. Now, how serious, how legitimate 
the financial scandal has been has been hard to ascertain, but the scandal has included allegations of extreme sketchiness. Uh, For example, sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports, he on April 2nd, 2022, reported that the House Committee on Oversight and Reform had received information that alleged that Washington had kept ticket revenue that was supposed to be shared with other NFL teams. But there had been a lot with the financial scandal that was like murky and unclear, and it was hard to gauge just how big of a deal the financial scandal was. Well, (laughs) now we have what came out early Tuesday morning. ESPN early Tuesday morning came out with a piece by senior writer Don Van Nata Jr. The piece has the following headline, quote, how a disputed $55 million loan plays into Fed's probe of commanders, end quote. And you did hear that right, Fed's probe of commanders. The crux of the piece, which is extremely lengthy, but also is extremely well done, is that a secret $55 million loan that our current commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder took out in December 2018 without the required approval of the skin's then minority owners, Robert Rothman, Dwight Shar, and Fred Smith, has become a primary focus of federal prosecutors in Virginia who are investigating allegations of financial misconduct by Dan Snyder and the team, i.e. the financial scandal. If you're wondering why Dan needed the approval of Rothman, Shaw, and Smith to take out that loan, well, documents obtained by ESPN show that loans and lines of credit obtained without the approval of Washington's board of directors violated the team's shareholder agreement. The documents also showed that, per this piece by Don Van Nata Jr., quote, Bank of America officials asked team executives repeatedly for proof that the board had approved the loan. But the team executives never turned over a copy of the board approval before the loan closed, and one team lawyer later acknowledged in a letter that the board approval doesn't exist, document show, end quote. Uh, there is so much to this piece by Don Van Nata Jr. I could spend like four hours talking about this piece, but what I'm going to do is just take you through three major takeaways from the piece and then two, shall we say, overarching takeaways with what all of this means. Takeaway number one, to what extent Dan Snyder is in serious legal trouble is hard to say, But it is safe to say that there are some serious things in this report. Reads the report, quote, a federal grand jury has issued subpoenas for a cache of documents related to the team's finances, including the loan. Prosecutors acquired the partner's NFL arbitration petition and other supporting materials, including emails and letters between team executives and bank lawyers document show. The criminal inquiry is being led by a team of FBI and IRS agents, sources said, end quote. So just to review, that passage that I just read to you includes the following words slash phrases. Federal grand jury, subpoenas, prosecutors, criminal inquiry, and FBI and IRS agents. Like I said, 
Some serious things are in this report. The report also quotes a source as having said, quote, three billionaires, not a few whistleblowers, alleged to the NFL arbitrator that their partner had possibly committed bank fraud. This is jail time type of fraud. The NFL owes them as much of a fair shake as it owes Snyder. And the league had no interest in finding out what happened. They buried it and didn't investigate it and covered it up. End quote. Takeaway number two from this ESPN report. It sheds new light on the reason for the fracture between Dan Snyder and his three now former minority partners, Robert Rothman, Dwight Shar, and Fred Smith. Look, we have known that there was a fracture, a big fracture. I mean, that's why those three guys now are Dan's former minority partners in owning the team. But we now have a better understanding of the nature of the fracture and the degree to which the fracture went. I mean, how about this from the report? Quote, the documents obtained by ESPN show that minority partners Robert Rothman, Dwight Shaw, and Frederick W. Smith protested the loan after they discovered it in a financial report's fine print. They then started looking closely into the team's finances and found Snyder was using the team as his personal piggy bank, including charging the team $4.5 million to put its logo on his private jet, they alleged in the arbitration petition filed with the NFL, end quote. How great is that? Dan Snyder, Danny Boy, charging his own team $4.5 million (laughs) to put the team's logo on his private jet. Happy Thanksgiving. First off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, Danny, happy Thanksgiving. $4.5 million for the honor, for the privilege of the team logo being on your private jet. I mean, how about that? How about the chutzpah of Dan Snyder to charge his own team $4.5 million to put the team's logo (laughs) on his private jet? Also in this ESPN report, quote, the minority partner's list of allegations from the misuse of team funds to staff Snyder's yachts and private jets to the abuse of corporate bylaws are laid out in rich detail in their 61-page arbitration petition filed confidentially with the NFL on June 26, 2020 and obtained by ESPN. In April 2020, the same month that the partners discovered the $55 million credit line, Snyder had, for the first time, failed to pay his partners, their quarterly share of team profits, the arbitration filing alleged. The partners said they already knew the team's local revenues, those derived apart from NFL media rights deals, had dropped by one-third over the previous decade, from $241 million in fiscal year 2009 to $160 million dollars in fiscal year 2020. The partners confronted Snyder about the missed quarterly payment in May 2020 and asked why he had secured the credit line. They also demanded an explanation for what they called self-dealing transactions. Snyder ignored their questions, the partners allege in the documents, except to eventually tell them 
the team had borrowed more than $20 million under the credit line. When Rothman complained that the team's board (laughs) had not met in years, Snyder responded, What the F do I need a board meeting for? According to the documents, end quote. And that line right there, quote, what the F do I need a board meeting for, end quote, that is classic Dan Snyder. If you know anything about Dan, you know that that is precisely the kind of thing that he would say. But how about the financial details here? The team's local revenues had dropped by one third over the previous decade from 200 $41 million in fiscal year 2009 to $160 million in fiscal year 2020. How about that fall off? Additionally, regarding this dispute between Dan Snyder and the three now former minority owners of the team, uh, the dispute, according to this ESPN report, quote, was fought in sealed motions filed in a federal lawsuit in Maryland before landing in confidential proceedings led by an NFL arbitrator and eventually the closed-door mediation overseen by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and NFL lawyers, end quote. Well, it turns out that that mediation is what ultimately resulted in Dan Snyder buying out Robert Rothman Dwight Shaw and Fred Smith in a transaction that was completed on April 2nd, 2021. So again, this ESPN report makes a lot of things clear in terms of the ownership turmoil of our team. Takeaway number three from this ESPN report, and this may be the most important takeaway for our purposes. This report amplifies the idea that Dan Snyder has a major cash flow problem. I just took you through the jarring financial details. I mean, one more time, Washington, from fiscal year 2009 to fiscal year 2020, saw a plummeting of the team's local revenues from $241 million to $160 million. But you also think about, you know, some of the more basic stuff, right? This sketchy $55 million loan that Dan Snyder took out. Uh, You know, Dan charging the team $4.5 million to put its logo on his private jet. All of these things speak to this belief that has been out there for a while now. Dan has a big time cash flow problem. Dan is the poorest billionaire you'll ever see, you know? Remember this, when it comes to why the commanders have been put up for sale, a working theory and a theory that to me makes a lot of sense is the loan that Dan had to take out to buy out Robert Rothman, Dwight Shaw, and Fred Smith. Like I said a few minutes ago, Dan Snyder ultimately bought out Robert Rothman, Dwight Shaw, and Fred Smith in a transaction that was completed on April 2nd, 2021. The price that Dan paid was a reported $875 million with a reported $450 million debt waiver for which the NFL's finance committee had made a special exemption. Well, the Washington Post this past November 17th reported that Dan Snyder essentially has to sell the commanders because he has to repay that loan by 2028. He doesn't have the cash to repay that loan by 2028 without selling at least a portion of the commanders. But the problem is that it may be that nobody 
has any interest in buying a minority portion of the Commanders. If you have the money to buy a minority portion of the Commanders, you might as well get yourself a group together and buy a majority portion of the Commanders. Why the heck would you want to be Dan's minority partner given what Robert Rothman, Dwight Shar, and Fred Smith went through as Dan's partners? And let me make this clear. There are no halos over the heads of Rothman, Shar, and Smith, okay? But look, these guys went through a lot as the partners of Danny Boy. And it's hard to believe that other billionaires, you know, think about it, right? Massive ego-having alpha billionaires are interested in being Dan Snyder's minority partner, right? Like, no, those people want to buy majority control of the commanders. You know, it was on Monday evening that uh, Dan's favorite media outlet, the Washington Post, reported that Dan is demanding that other NFL owners indemnify him against any future legal liability and expenses if he sells the commanders, and that this has angered some NFL owners as well as NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. It wasn't exactly clear why Dan Snyder wants other NFL owners to indemnify him against any future legal liability and expenses. Like, what specifically was Dan worried about? Well, (laughs) isn't it interesting that about 12 hours after that Washington Post report came out on Monday evening, we got this ESPN report on Tuesday morning. And this ESPN report perhaps tells us why Dan wants other NFL owners to indemnify him against any future legal liability and expenses. And that takes us to this, the bottom line, what we all care about the most. Is Dan Snyder going to be selling majority ownership of the commanders in the coming weeks or months? Where is all of this taking us? Are we all going to get what we want, which is the Danny being out? My take is yes. You know, as wild and confusing and tedious as all of the Dan Snyder slash commander sale reports of the last few days have been, the bottom line is that him selling majority ownership of the team appears as real and as likely as ever. His cash flow problem is massive, and you cannot overstate the significance of that. The other NFL owners want Dan out. You cannot overstate the significance of that. And this financial scandal has turned rather serious. And so with the caveat that the commanders aren't sold until they are sold, okay, I do think that the net result of all that has been out there in recent days is that we should feel even more confident that Dan Snyder, a.k.a. the Danny, a.k.a. Danny Boy, is selling majority ownership of the commanders, whether he wants to or not. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A big help is if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast via most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, A subscription to the pod costs you nothing and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two. Can't be more, but uh, doesn't have to be. And uh, thank you very much for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Well, let us talk some actual Commander's football, shall we? Is that okay? Can we talk actual Commander's football? You know, these days with everything else going on with the team, you almost feel like you have to ask for permission to talk actual Commander's football. So the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine has begun. It once again is taking place at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. One of the staples of the Combine is general managers and head coaches doing press conferences. And it just so happens that Commander's head coach, Ron Rivera, did a press conference early in the 12 p.m. Eastern hour on Tuesday. Uh, Now, a problem with these combined press conferences is that you have reporters from all over the country at the pressers. So the GMs and head coaches often get asked questions about league-wide things as opposed to team-specific things. A good chunk of Ron's press conference on Tuesday afternoon was him answering questions about non-commander's items. But enough of the presser was spent on commander-specific items to where we have some things to talk about. Uh, The Commanders early Tuesday morning did officially announce having placed a franchise tag on interior defensive lineman Deron Payne. The team did not specify whether it used the exclusive or non-exclusive franchise tag on Deron, but this was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on what we should take away from the Commanders franchise tagging Deron Payne. Well, more so than anything else, just showing the commitment to, to, to trying to get him signed and, and, and keep him here. I mean, he's a guy that's been very integral in the development of this football team and this defense, as, as well as the other guys that he plays alongside. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to make sure everybody understood that, uh, you know, we are serious. Well, the commanders may be serious about wanting to keep Duran Payne, but as I talked about in the opening segment of the show, Washington has been down this uh, franchise tag road before, and it is a road that has led to the team losing big money players for pennies on the dollar in terms of compensation, because those players ultimately end up leaving the team via unrestricted free agency. The hope would be that Duran's franchise tag number, which is projected to be 
$18.937 million will prove to be low enough to entice Duran to be open to working out a multi-year contract with the commanders. Because the expectation is that the market for interior defensive linemen is about to take off. So Duran doing a multi-year contract this offseason might get him $20 million per season. And $20 million is more than $18.937 million. But we shall see. Duran had a monster 2022 regular season. He finished tied for fourth in the NFL in tackles for loss with 18. He finished with 11 and a half sacks, tying the late great Dave Butts for the most sacks in a regular season by a Washington interior defensive lineman since sacks became an official stat beginning with the 1982 season. Butts had 11 and a half sacks in the 1983 regular season. Also from the Commanders on Tuesday morning was the announcement of coaching staff changes. You ready for all of this? Uh, the Commanders have hired Tavita Pritchard as quarterbacks coach. The team has moved its previous quarterbacks coach, Ken Zampezi, to the role of senior offensive advisor slash game management. The team has promoted Brent Wieselmeyer to defensive backs coach. So he is the replacement for Chris Harris, who left to become the Tennessee Titans defensive pass game coordinator and cornerbacks coach. The commanders have promoted Richard Rogers to senior defensive assistant slash safeties coach, and the team has promoted Kristen Garcia to assistant defensive backs slash Nichols coach. Uh, Tavita Pritchard is interesting. He now is the quarterbacks coach for the team's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and Tavita Pritchard is an Eric Bieniemy guy. Tavita being the commander's quarterbacks coach is his first NFL coaching job. Uh, he was with Stanford from 2006 through 2022, uh, first as a player and then as a coach. Uh, Tavita Pritchard was a quarterback for Stanford 2006 through 2009, and then was a coach for Stanford 2010 through 2022, including being Stanford's offensive coordinator from 2018 through 2022. Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on the coaching staff changes that the commanders announced on Tuesday morning, including the hiring of Tavita Pritchard as quarterbacks coach. Well, you know, with uh, with Eric coming in and, you know, some guys that he, he wanted to have and, you know, we talked about the entire staff going forward and, and he talked about the direction he wanted to take it. Um, bringing a guy like Tavita in is a, a guy that uh, has played the position. Uh, you know, he's been in one place for a long time, but it's been a pro-style type of offense. Uh, he and Eric have had a relationship, I think, for like the last 10, 10 years. So they're, they're very familiar with each other. Um, and you see it when you when we brought Tavita in, sat down, and you know, I visited with him and interviewed him and, and then listened to his philosophies on football and his ideas and stuff. You know, I could see why he and Eric are very similar. All right, so Rod Rivera early in that cut on Eric Bieniemy quote, with Eric coming in and some guys that he wanted to have, we talked about the entire staff going forward, and he talked about the direction he wanted to take it. And quote, Tavita Pritchard is an Eric Bieniemy guy. And one of the conditions for Eric Bieniemy joining the commander's coaching staff pretty clearly was him being able to reshape the offensive portion of the staff. We'll see what other changes might be coming. Uh, the Commanders, for the moment, do not have a receivers coach. Uh, the team's previous receivers coach, Drew Terrell, has left the team, reportedly for a job with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, as for the quarterbacks, who Tavita Pritchard will be coaching, Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon was asked if he and his early conversations with 
Eric Bieniemy has discussed a particular type of quarterback that they want. Here was Ron's answer. One of the first things we talked about, obviously, was all of our personnel and listening to him talk about our guys. He had an understanding of, of who we had. He understood, you know, we talked a little bit about Eric, and I told him I'd made a comment that he's going to start out as QB1. He's going to have to earn it. And Eric feels the same way. He likes him. He likes who he is. He likes his skill set. You know, he told me he's a guy that, you know, that they looked at at one point, you know, when he was there. So he's familiar with, uh, with, uh, with Sam. Um, then he talked about the other positions and all the things that, uh, you know, he felt we could do in getting the ball in those guys' hands. He liked our five skill position guys. So that was a, a real nice conversation we had in terms of all of our different uh, offensive weapons we have. All right, so Rod Rivera right there didn't really answer the question that he was asked, but he did talk up Sam Howell, who, of course, is being positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. I am very specific, by the way, in using that word positioned when talking about the deal with Sam Howell, because Ron isn't guaranteeing that Sam will be the team starting quarterback for the 2023 season. Ron has made it quite clear that Sam has to earn the team starting quarterback job for the 2023 season. But Ron also has made it quite clear that Sam is getting the first crack at the job. The job is Sam's to lose. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on why he has positioned Sam Howell as the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. Well, if you go back to, to his junior year coming out, you know, this is a guy that had some very good grades on him as far as being draftable. I believe if you go back and you ask some scouts, you know, what their grades are, you're going to see some pretty high grades. Um, you know, I went, that's what I did. I looked at our people's grades and we had some very good grades on him. So uh, we feel very confident in his ability. Secondly, um, things that he showed us over a period of time. You know, he played a lot in the preseason. That was something we did on purpose. Um, we wanted to see him because uh, we liked him that much. Uh, during the season, you know, when, when you watch the practice tape and you just, he just had some moments that just showed you, you know, he's done a really good job and then getting the opportunity against Dallas. Um, you know, I thought he came out and played the type of game that you're looking for as far as the quarterback's concerned. Um, he's got a tremendous skill set, got a good arm, the kind of arm that you do look for. Um, that's, that's one of the things. And again, um, he's not our starter. He's coming in as a QB1. He'll get, he'll get, he'll get a great opportunity to be our starter. Um, but we do want to find a veteran uh, quarterback. You know, we have Taylor Heineke, that's a free agent. We've got to work through that as well. And then we'll see what happens from there. Okay, a lot of good stuff from Ron Rivera in that cut. But the headline item came toward the end of the cut. Ron on Sam Howell, quote, he's not our starter. He's coming in as the QB1. He'll get a great opportunity to be our starter, end quote. So a clear and concise clarification for Ron on the situation for Sam right now. And that's why saying that Ron Rivera has positioned Sam Howell to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season is a lot more accurate than saying that Ron has said that Sam will be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. Ron has not said that. Uh, I actually think that Ron is walking an appropriate line with this Sam Howell stuff. Sam does deserve a shot at being the team's QB1 for the 2023 season, but he certainly should not be guaranteed anything. I mean, the guy has played in just one NFL regular season game. He has a lot to prove. Uh, Also in that cut was Ron essentially saying what I have said about Sam Howell, that uh, he is not your normal 
fifth-round quarterback. He is not your normal day three of an NFL draft quarterback. Yes, the Commanders did take Sam in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft, but Sam in the 2021 offseason was viewed as the potential number one pick in that 2022 draft. Most day three quarterbacks are not guys who at one point were viewed as potential number one overall picks. And we, in that cut, heard Ron Rivera reiterate the desire to have a veteran quarterback on the Commanders in the 2023 season, perhaps even a re-signed Taylor Heineke, who is set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. By the way, I want to say this. I don't at all agree with this take that the Commanders should not re-sign Taylor Heineke because him being on the team next season would be bad for Sam Howell because Taylor being on the team next season would compel fans to chant for Taylor to play when Sam inevitably struggles. The commander's not re-signing Taylor Heineke because they're afraid of Heineke chants from the dozens at FedEx Field next season would be so weak and so wrong, okay? If you don't want to re-sign Taylor Heineke for other reasons, okay. But to not re-sign him because you're scared of Heineke chants at FedEx Field No, sorry. First of all, an NFL team should never do or not do something because of anything that might come from the fans or because fans want or don't want that something. An NFL team should always do what is in the team's best interest and not worry about the fans. Fans often are wrong and fans are fickle, man. The same fans who will hate you for a decision that will be cheering you like crazy if that decision proves to be a good one. And I say all of this, by the way, as a fan myself, okay? Uh, Second of all, while yes, Taylor Heineke does have his fans, the Heineke hive is real. Uh, Do you know who else has fans? Sam Howell. As much as there is a Heineke hive, there also is a Howell hive, okay? As much as we have the Heinekeites, we also have the Howellians, okay? I actually think that there may be a good bit of crossover between the Heineke fans and the Howell fans. And I think that it's possible that if both Taylor Heineke and Sam Howell are on the Commanders in the 2023 season, that Sam, not Taylor, will be the most popular quarterback on the team. I deal with Commanders fans every day. A lot of Commanders fans are excited about Sam Howell. Third of all, at this point, The sample size for Taylor Heineke as an NFL quarterback is large enough to where we have a pretty good idea of what he is. He is a very good QB2 who can play well as a QB1 for a finite period of time, but he is not good enough to where a team should commit to him as its QB1 for a lengthy period of time. He is not a potential franchise quarterback. Again, if the commanders don't want to re-sign Taylor Heineke because they feel like they can do better at quarterback than him and would rather sign another unrestricted free agent veteran quarterback, fine. But the reason for not re-signing Taylor absolutely should not be that his presence might prompt Heineke chance that may make things difficult for Sam Howell, okay? I want the commanders to re-sign Taylor. I'm not supremely confident that that's going to happen, but uh, I would like to see that happen. Again, he's a very good QB2 who is more than capable of doing well as a QB1 for a finite period of time. Uh, Another 
Unrestricted free agent veteran quarterback option for the commanders now is Marcus Mariota. Uh, The Atlanta Falcons on Tuesday morning released Mariota. Of course, our commanders on Monday afternoon released a veteran quarterback, Carson Wentz. It's funny, there's been so much commanders news over the last few days that the releasing of Carson Wentz has kind of gotten buried. Uh, But yeah, that did happen. Uh, And he now is gone. And who knows, his NFL career may be over. I don't think that it's a given that Carson Wentz will be in the NFL in the 2023 season. Uh, But it was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on Carson Wentz. He's a heck of a young man. He's, 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 a, he's a solid man. And, and, you know, want to wish him the best. Really do appreciate everything he did for us, you know, and, and the opportunity that he had coming here. He did the best he could, and we really appreciate that as well. Like I said on Tuesday's show, episode 517, every indication is that Carson Wentz, over his uh, one season with the Commanders, was a good teammate and was not a bad locker room guy. The problem wasn't Carson the person. The problem was Carson the player. And I think that you very much heard that sentiment from Rod Rivera in that cut that I just played for you. A good win for the Wizards on Tuesday night. They improved to 29-32 and with a 119-116 win at the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, the Wizards are 10th in the Eastern Conference and now are just a game and a half behind the Hawks for 8th in the East. <laughs> to whatever extent that you care about uh, your Eastern Conference play-in tournament standings. Uh, the Wiz won despite being without two starters for a second consecutive game. Chris Stamps Porzingis did not play for a second consecutive game due to left knee soreness, and Monte Morris did not play for a second consecutive game due to low back soreness. But the Wizards in this game overcame a 10-point third-quarter deficit, won the fourth quarter 34-26. Now, the Wizards went just a 6 of 21 on threes, but the Wizards also outscored the Hawks in the paint 66-52. And a big part of that was Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal on Tuesday night was clutch. Uh, he really did come through for the Wizards. He in the fourth quarter that the Wizards won, 34-26, played for 8 minutes, 15 seconds. He went 0 of 1 on threes, but 6 of 7 on twos. And he scored 12 points. Uh, Beal hit some big buckets down the stretch of this game. He, for the game, played for 35 minutes, one second as a starter, and scored 37 points. Not bad, right? 37 points in uh, 35 minutes and one second of playing time. He went just one of four on threes, but also 16 of 26 on twos and two of two on free throws. And Beal also had seven assists versus two turnovers and three rebounds. Uh, Kyle Kuzma did have another inefficient game in terms of shooting. He has not been shooting well lately. Kuzma on Tuesday night, 36 minutes, 42 seconds as a starter. He went just to two of seven on threes and just eight of 19 on twos. He also went six to seven on free throws. I will give Kuzma credit for this. He in that fourth quarter did go two of four on threes. He finished with 28 points, three rebounds, and a game best tying plus minus rating of plus five. Good game for Daniel Gafford. He in 34 minutes, 19 seconds as a starter, five of six from the field, all twos and three of four on free throws. He finished with 13 points, 12 rebounds, including four offensive boards, three blocks and two assists versus two turnovers. And Gafford was key 
in that fourth quarter. He in the fourth quarter played for 11 minutes, seven seconds, and had seven points, five rebounds, one assist versus no turnovers, and a block. And speaking of rebounds, Denny Avdia. He in 31 minutes, 8 seconds as a starter. Did go 0 of 1 on threes and just 2 of 8 on twos and scored just 4 points, but he also had 13 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards. Next up for the Wizards, home to the Toronto Raptors, Thursday night at 7. And by the way, the Raptors, they are signing former Wizard Will Barton. Uh, That according to a tweet from ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski. On Tuesday afternoon, the Wizards recently bought out Will Barton. Well, let's talk college basketball. Both Virginia and Virginia Tech played this past Saturday evening and lost. Uh, Well, both Virginia and Virginia Tech played on Tuesday night and won. Uh, number 13, Virginia, improved to 22-6 and overall and 14-5 and in the ACC with a 64-57 win over Clemson at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia on Tuesday night. A much-needed win for the Cavaliers. Uh, they snapped a two-game losing streak by defeating a Clemson team that came into the game 13-5 and in the ACC. The Cavs' defense, very good. The Cavs held Clemson to just... 57 points to just 7 of 22 on threes, to just 16 of 33 on twos, and to just 5 free throw attempts for the entire game. The Cavs totaled 10 steals. The Cavs held Clemson's leading scorer, Hunter Tyson, to just 3 of 11 on threes. And understand that all of this happened against a Clemson team that in three of its previous four games had scored at least 91 points. This was UVA head coach Tony Bennett during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night on his team's defense. I mean, we just tried to play as hard as we could. I told them after the Carolina game um, that it was a joy for me to watch how hard they competed. I know we got beat against Carolina, but I saw it in their eyes. I saw it in their effort, and we competed as hard as we could uh, in that game, really on both ends. Um, but defensively in the second half we did and I said you you bring that to this this match and you know our defense got us some offense early we just worked made them earn it was far from perfect but it was um, it was what we needed and then we tried to move hard and work hard offensively and just uh, be true to who we were or who we are I should say and um, we weren't going to score 90 against Clemson they're playing terrific ball we had a We just had to do what we could do to the best of our abilities and uh, trust that. And that's what I thought the guys did. And we got a lift from, obviously, um, our two two first years did a good job for us, giving us lifts. But I thought, you know, the pressure on the ball, guarding it, you could see, you know, Kihei was locked in and all all the guys just making it a challenge. And, And Hall is tough. I mean, he high lows, opens up. He's got good touch. And they've got some good players. And, you know, it was a hard fought game. Yes, it was. Although the Wahoos did lead for most of the game, they won despite having another bad shooting game. I'll tell you, the Who's shooting lately has been terrible. The Who's on Tuesday night went just 5 of 19 on threes, just 17 of 35 on twos, and just 15 of 22 on free throws. Uh, Kihei Clark, 34 minutes, 24 seconds as a starter, 0 of 5 on threes, and 0 of 2 on twos. Yeah, Kihei did not have a single made field goal the entire game. He did go five of six on free throws, did finish with five points, six assists 
versus one turnover, two steals, and a game best plus minus rating of plus 17. Uh, Jaden Gardner, 31 minutes, 49 seconds as a starter. He went just 5 of 13 from the field, all twos. He also went 2 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 12 points and 9 rebounds. UVA did get another nice all-around game from Reese Beekman. Uh, he in 35 minutes, 49 seconds as a starter went 1 of 2 on threes, 2 of 5 on twos. He finished with 7 points, 8 assists versus 1 turnover, 4 steals, 2 blocks, and three rebounds. And UVA got good production off the bench from freshman Ryan Dunn and Isaac McNeely. They combined for 22 points, and Dunn had five rebounds, including three offensive boards. Really nice win for UVA. Uh, next up for Virginia is its regular season finale, home to Louisville this Saturday afternoon at two. Now, Louisville is horrendous <laughs> this season. The Cardinals now are two and 17 in the ACC, uh, thanks to a loss to Virginia Tech on Tuesday night. The Hokies improved to 17-13 and 13 overall and 7-12 and 12 in the ACC with a 71-54 win at Louisville on Tuesday night. Uh, Tech did not shoot well. The Hokies went just a 10 of 29 on threes, just 14-35 on twos, and just 13-17 on free throws. But Tech did finish with 16 assists versus five turnovers and held Louisville to just 2-14 of 14 on threes. Louisville is atrocious, okay? Louisville went just 4-9 of nine on free throws. Uh, good game for the Hokies' Justin Mutz. 33 minutes as a starter, one of one on threes, four of eight on twos. He did go just two of four on free throws, but he finished with 13 points, 12 rebounds, including a staggering seven offensive boards, uh, four assists versus one turnover and two blocks. Next up for Virginia Tech is its regular season finale, home to Florida State this Saturday afternoon at four. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 519, will feature plenty on the Commanders. General Manager Martin Mayhew is scheduled to do a press conference at the NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis on Wednesday. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk Capitals, Maryland basketball, and Georgetown basketball. The camps are at the Western Conference Worst Anaheim Ducks Wednesday night at 10 in the Caps' final game before the NHL trade deadline this Friday, March 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern. Number 21, Maryland, is at Ohio State Wednesday night at 7. And Georgetown has its regular season finale on Wednesday night. The Hoyas are at Creighton Wednesday night at 8.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. He's not our starter. He's coming in as a QB1. He'll get, he'll get, he'll get a great opportunity to be our starter. Um, but we do want to find a veteran uh, quarterback. You know, we have Taylor Heineke that's a free agent. We've got to work through that as well. And then we'll see what happens from there. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.